This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. I'm your host Snigdha and joining me today over Ringer are Ayush, Basant and Ayan. Hello guys. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you coping with the quarantine? Bura hal hai. Sabka bura hal hai. Try to learn how to live like this. Yeah, we might have to in the future. Ayush ko intellectual baat karni zaruri hoti hai har jagah pe. Jo man mein hai wo bolo na. Are sach mein koshish kar raha hu aise jeene mein matlab isme intellectual kya hai? And uh, before we begin, I want to tell all the new listeners about News Laundry. We are a 100% ad-free news platform and we need your support to stay afloat. So please subscribe to us and pay to keep news free. And listeners, if you're listening to this podcast on any other platform like Spotify, Stitcher, remember we have a website, newslaundry.com, where you can head over to and find lots of other cool stuff that we do, like reports, podcasts, interviews. You should check them out. All right, so let's begin with some bizarre news, although uh, nothing seems bizarre anymore, isn't it? <laughs> who, wants to, yeah. who wants to go first? I'll, I'll, I'll go first. So All right. I, saw, I saw pictures uh, on social media that after the Prime Minister last evening made hmm. a request and you know announced that there'll be a lockdown, people yeah. obviously, they rushed outside and that poured into, they poured out the streets even today morning. So outside some of uh-huh. the shops in these places to maintain social distancing, they've marked yeah. these circles at uh-huh. every few meters. And it felt like we were in kindergarten, you know, or you were doing the one of those stage performances where they would put a tape marker and that's where you stood. Yeah, yeah. And that's where you spoke, you know, the, you, yeah. you were oh like that and all that. So it, it, it it, it just, uh, I thought, if so so many of us are actually, you know, just grown up children, and uh, the state actually has become a teacher, and that's what it feels like. That's so true. You know, I saw uh, the eyes. Yeah, you know, this reminds me of a similar scene in, from Kerala. Okay, Kerala, like in many other things, loves to be ahead of the rest. So a few mm-hmm. days back, I saw a video on Facebook. So what the, the scene is from outside uh, a liquor shop. So yeah. all the people... Oh, yes. So oh, my God. Brilliant. So, yeah, they were also like standing in circles, okay, and maintaining uh, at least three, four feet from each other. <laughs> so obedient, so disciplined. They're patiently waiting to get their bottle. It's funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was really funny, actually. Very inspiring also. <laughs> anyway, Basant... <laughs> अक्सर कोई घटना होती है तो एक डर रहता है कि कोई अपने बच्चे का नाम उस पर ना रख ले तो इस बार डर था ऑलरेडी कि कोई अपने बच्चे का नाम कोरोना ना रख ले लेकिन ऐसा हुआ है वो भी उत्तर प्रदेश में एनडीटीवी की रिपोर्ट है कि परिजन ने अपने बच्चे का नाम कोरोना रख लिया यूपी में हुआ 
It's a great break from Rahul and Atul and Alok and you know all the <laughs> usual names in our society. So Ayush and Rayan and Basant also. <laughs> Basant is a very nice name. Yeah, I like uh, Basant. Yeah, but I like Pajjal Kumar better. Because I have my mother with me. Pajjal Kumar. Ayan, what about you? Okay, so my bizarre news is uh, from the United States. I saw this video hmm. on Twitter where uh, hmm. a Republican, you know, Lieutenant Governor from Texas, Dan Patrick, uh, was talking hmm. to Tucker Carlson on of Fox News. Okay, and uh, Dan Patrick mm-hmm. basically said he he suggested that uh, you know grandparents in the U.S. Uh, you know should be willing hmm. to die in order to save the economy for their grandchildren. This is obviously in the context of the coronavirus. So he suggested that if he had to make the sacrifice personally for his grandchildren, then he was like ready for it. And he suggested that wow. uh, to his countrymen as well. So wow. uh, Tucker Carlson was also kind of you know dumbfounded, and he kept staring without any expression. <laughs> you know, uh, Trump also came out and said this yesterday. that uh, uh. he said that the lockdown might uh, end very soon because the cure cannot be a bigger problem than the problem itself and that is it's it's like a lobby is uh, starting to form oh in the us God. where conservative yeah. economists rep- republican politicians where they are saying that mm. the economics is so uh, has taken such a hit the economy mm. that mm. Uh, the lockdown might uh, might have to actually be shortened or uh, you know it has to be relieved oh wow sounds oh, wow. scary man uh while the economy is certainly <laughs> slumping gun sales in colorado have doubled according to colorado bureau of investigation so there's this <laughs> uh, uh there's uh, this uh, company called dcf guns in castle rock and uh, they basically started uh, delivering firearms and ammo to their customers so okay but what so yeah that is my bizarre news of the week i wonder yeah i hope they don't end up killing you know people from southeast asia <laughs> yeah hopefully not man i don't know people i think uh, it because pe- people are panicking so much Yeah. also because of uh, lack of information or whatever they don't know that nobody knows when it's going to end how it's going to end so americans they they only feel feel safe when they have guns on them yeah exactly it's, a, it's more of a psychological thing i guess yeah yeah true kill the virus with the gun boom boom karo hamare yahan wale to hamare yahan wale to gomutra se hi maar de rahe hain अभी एक वीडियो देख रहा था फेसबुक पे एक मौलाना साहब थी एक महिला सामने बैठी हुई थी और वो बच्चों वाला बंदूक होता है ना जो प्लास्टिक वाला उससे कोरोना मार रहे थे Moving on to the reports that you guys have done this week, last week. Ah, uh, shall we begin with the uh, Ayush and Basant story, the report that you guys did on Delhi Carnage? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. So, listeners, those ah uh, those of you who've not read this story, you must. I mean, 
you cannot miss this it's a great investigative piece and uh, while most of uh, most people most of us actually forgot uh, what happened in delhi before the pandemic hit uh, ayush and basant uh, they uh, they didn't stop and they kept going to northeast delhi over uh, over i think uh, an entire week right you guys kept visiting delhi and more than that you i think more than a week yeah. and 10 days right so the story is titled delhi carnage the story of one mob two drains and five murders uh so tell tell me ayush uh, can you please introduce our listeners to what the story is about okay so uh, when i was doing my story on the ankit sharma murder i thought hey okay, uh, this is one murder which everyone seems to be talking about but hmm. there've been 12 other bodies that are being found uh, across northeast delhi uh, and there were 11 other men besides him which did not find the same sort of attention in the mainstream media in fact hmm. uh, the day uh, actually just the day after ankit sharma's body was found four bodies were taken out of the drains so we yeah. just pursued this simple idea and we it took us a little time to go to the police and get the details of these 11 other bodies um right. uh, which were taken out of the drains that took us alone four days because the police was very uncooperative but uh-huh. once we finally got the details all we had to do was to go and meet these families so as part of this we met four other families and uh, in one family there were two people so five murders and right. that is that was a simple idea and that's what we've uh, covered the not just these families actually but people who saw these bodies go by in the drains a man who took yeah. out one of the bodies so we've also spoken to these people and that's how the story has come out yeah so i mean uh, the beginning uh, the first paragraph of your report is very uh, i mean i don't know moving yeah. in a sad way um so uh, ayush describes how this woman who was standing on her terrace she saw a, a body appear in the drain that is just below her house right yeah so guys unfortunately basant uh, cannot join the call because network issues everybody is working from home so i think internet is slowed down uh yeah ayush can you tell us more about the um uh, about the uh, about the dead bodies that were found who were they about the identity of these people who were found um, in the drain yeah there were two common links to all of them first of course they were all muslim and second was that yeah. they were all uh, came from working class backgrounds so uh, yeah. one of them did odd jobs in the northeast delhi area as a laborer one of them drove a rickshaw Right. and uh, you know to uh, there was another one who's another actually sometimes what is known as beldari in north india you know that carrying things from one place to the other he was a beldar all these right. daily wage jobs mm-hmm. so th- th- these were the things that uh, you know were, were the common threads right. but one more interesting thing was that they were also uh, all murdered by the same mob i mean most oh. likely i say most likely murdered by the same mob but four of uh, the five bodies that we looked into were found in the same spot i see uh, same part of the drain yeah. and just uh, near where they were found is an intersection over the drain which is called a pulia yeah well on the night of the 25th i had gone to that pulia and there was a mob standing there so i know there was a mob there and 
the, the next thing we know is that the bodies are found beside uh, this pulia hmm. so we can put two and two together right. but the fifth guy uh, he was found in front of the gokulpuri metro station yeah. his body had flown on the 1st of march because on the 29th there had been a huge uh, there had been rainfall across the this city is, uh... so the drains had swelled hmm. this is as mohammed this is as mohammed uh-huh. yes so uh, his body had uh, been found uh, unlike others near the metro station but then that uh, the drain is downstream from uh, the pulia uh-huh. meaning that it uh, it it came down from that right. space so we know that it could have come right, from that right. pulia itself and because his home is also around and he would travel from one place to the other you can uh-huh. take a good guess that he was taking that route as a lot of others were so these are the three things actually that were common to all of them they were muslim they were working class and they were most likely murdered by uh, the very I same you, i think you came across this mob during the violence right when you were reporting it was the same mob Yes. So what? Yes. So what was going on was when you saw mode, them? Yes. What like uh, describe your encounter? Well, uh, I had come uh, come across the mob because they had set some uh, huh. slum dwellings on fire where Muslims, uh, you know, used to live. Even though the Muslims right. had fled the day before, that still set the houses on fire. And we were uh, kind of uh, interviewing people, other others, huh. other slum residents. and i was talking to the police and they the mob stood at the This? bridge on the nala and i remember the police was there the up police was there yeah. that night 25th of february and we told them that you know there's a mob there they just set things on fire and they said you know it's this is not this that is delhi that area which was 50 meters away is delhi this mm-hmm. is up we can't do anything and since i was with four reporters two of us went to near this mob i thought i mean i feel so scared of the idea that they did that now because yeah. now i know they murdered five people but uh, there was raghu karnad and there was nikhil karyapa and they went and they talked to the they went huh. near the mob and they they yeah. met two policemen which were from delhi police and they told so, the policemen told them that so you should leave this is not policemen, a safe time to these be policemen here. were we standing left. with the mob Uh, yeah they were standing just beside the mob yeah they were delhi mm. police and we've made this point in our report that when the police investigations are on most yeah. of these uh, sorry these two policemen can easily identify a good number of people who were part of the mob and a lot of people also told us that these these people who right. made the mob came from local colonies and the, of course you know that that's how the dynamic is the local police always knows exactly. who in the area exactly. is the troublesome kind who will do what right. who has done what the police always knows these things so they can easily be arrested and they can be prosecuted but i think only four people have been uh in the eight murders only four murders have there been arrests and four people have been arrested which is way less than you know if you look at ankit sharma's murder where five people have been arrested the, and they're taking yeah. cctv footage they're talking to eyewitnesses so yeah way more yeah, proactive yeah, i'm worried it might not be covered that way in ankit sharma's case um ayush uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about as mohammed how old he was where he worked right so um it's a very mm. strange uh, i mean coincidence and it's very morbid uh, that uh, as mohammed mm. he was 25 sorry as mohammed was uh, 30 years old and the night where he when he was murdered uh, mm. i had encountered the likely the same mob that killed him but yeah. not only that on the 1st of march when i was coming out of the metro station his body had just uh, also mm. you know f- uh, floated by and it had been taken out 
we met his family and his family told हाँ. us uh, that in, they live in the Shakti Vihar area of uh, Mustafabad and they said that uh, they'd been in that area no violence had happened and the community elders had come out Hmm. the hindu men had told you know they they own young that don't right. do anything the muslims had done the same so there was peace in that part in that quarter uh, so i think mm-hmm. what his brother said was that because there was peace in shakti vihar as mohammed probably thought that outside yeah. you know the world is also as peaceful as it was there so he stepped mm-hmm. out uh, sometime in the morning of 25th and on the 25th of yeah. february the violence yeah. the communal violence begins in the afternoon around 1 or 2 so mm. uh, he left in the morning and he never came back of course um and his family you mm. know they tried they they were actually so scared and there was a lot of rumors going on so yeah. they were told that if you go to the police station there are mobs yeah. on the way you'll get killed probably not rumors because that's what happened to one of them wow. but they didn't go to the police mm. for a long time and they mm. finally found the body on the 9th of march so he's murdered on 25th he f- his his body is recovered on the 1st and the family meets them on 9th which is 2 weeks goes by his between body all this happens for about 4 to 5 so, days so uh, 4 to 5 days yes and i've seen pictures of his body and i mean yeah, it's I and it's a i mean it's a very horrid sight uh, to see you know a murdered man in the drain and that to the way his the bloated body and uh, yeah it was ugly yeah so you saw many pictures like this of the other people who yeah, died yeah, as yeah. well right yeah, so uh, were there, so they these uh, these bodies had a lot of injury marks right in spite of the bloating and the um, you could still see the injuries is that correct yes i mean it, yeah it was it was the death was uh, calculated to be as yeah. painful and you know you could you look in the injuries and you could imagine how it all happened so for example we've met a family in which two brothers were murdered called amir and hashim so uh, the fa- if you look at I- i've seen a look at the pictures of their dead bodies and you know one of the the, the younger brother he was yeah. slit right from yeah. his chin down to his torso you know n- near his navel there's a huge gash it almost a meter long and yeah. uh, when we went to near yeah. the bridge one one day sometime in early march you know where the mob had collected and we talked to some kids yeah. because I, and we thought we should talk to these children because the children you know they wouldn't have filters they will tell us the truth uh, yeah. unlike the rest of the rest of the people who were just saying nothing happened here yeah. even though obviously that was a lie so we talked to these children one of the chil- couple of children actually told us that they had seen these brothers getting murdered yeah. and the uh, i think one of them had mm. been picked off directly from the bike and the mm. other one who was driving the bike was so scared that he had jumped directly into the drain with the bike and then they came and then they killed him and when his body was oh found the next day i yes. talked to another eyewitness who told me that his body was still stuck to the bike you know it was almost as if he was in that same position so it was the murder was very gruesome yeah. it was very brutal and it was i think they just uh, smashed them with whatever they could find rods and swords and knives god knows what uh i have a question to ayush yeah yeah so uh, now obviously everything uh, regarding the riots has taken a back seat but uh, since you and basan uh, followed the aftermath of the riots you know longer than some of us uh, because of this story so uh could you could you update us with uh, you know the status of the investigation into these uh, murders i mean of course you have mentioned that some arrests have been made 
but uh, what kind of evidence is being examined by the police or i mean any anything any other important detail that uh, you know we should know regarding the investigation uh so the problem uh, the the very first problem here is that the police is being very uh you know opaque about the whole investigation and there are three different teams working in this uh, set of uh, murders so there is the crime branch there is the sit and then there's the local thana so okay you talk to some information uh, investigative officers at a police station they'll tell you that uh, the investigation is going on at crime branch they don't know anything you meet the second guy he'll give you all the details so it's a uh, it's always very it's very confusing and it's i think uh, kind of because we went to the dcp office we went to the sho we tried to talk to him it took us four days to meet him and when we met him he just yeah. simply denied everything you know he just said he won't give us the information he when said- the sho Practically knows everything. He could give you anything. Yeah, he you said know, he was on holiday, right? This is the essay uh, from Mukundpuri. Uh, yes, Pramod Joshi. Mm-hmm. Pramod Joshi. So okay. the police yeah. is being very. Yeah, he said he was on a holiday when the whole riot was happening, and uh, so oh, wow. the information gathering itself yeah. has become so difficult that I can't give you the status of the investigation. For example, the four murders that I have uh, mentioned. came from a times of india yeah. copy where i read about this but when we asked ios okay. and shows they just did not give us any information yeah so looks like that i mean most likely nothing will happen i mean no no one will be booked uh, because of these murders yeah it's it's i think the zone? investigation will be similar to all other investigations uh, in the riots of 2002 or 84 it took decades you know yeah. for the people who were uh, guilty to get to be punished and i think this one is uh, going the same way right i mean uh, the fact that uh, as mohammed's family waited for days to approach the police says a lot about uh, you know the trustworthiness that uh, the public has on police yeah true true, true. Uh, Ayush, can you tell me a little bit about the other victims that you profiled? Oh, uh, there was one other man called uh, Bhure Ali, and there was uh, another young boy, twenty-five year old, mm. called Hamza. And both of them, again, Hamza, in fact, mm. had come to Delhi last year. You know, late last year from Meerut. Mm. In Meerut, he used to run a computer shop. Uh, sorry, he used to work at a computer shop. Yeah. And when he came to Delhi, I we saw pictures of it. and he seemed like a young man who enjoyed you know uh, wearing nice clothes even the uh, sorry to sound dark mm. but even the dead body photos that we saw he was wearing you know a nice brand uh, a nice sweatshirt sweatshirt of a nice yeah. brand the same thing in his pictures and so much so that he worked in a shop mm. that sold you know high end merchandise in fact the night he was murdered he had gone to check check up on his shop he had gone there to see if everything was all right if it had been or not. Mm. and it's he never came back like all of them so he uh, he came for a better life he died the second guy bhure ali uh, his story was also a tragedy because his wife had been murdered a few years oh. before in northeast delhi and you know now yeah. he had passed away he again daily wage worker he had told all his family not to go out that day but i don't know what happened to him he himself went out that's what his family told us mm-hmm. but after telling everyone mm-hmm. not to step out he stepped and uh, he was yeah. also 30 years old he had to he has two children and i mean the both of them are orphans and they've been taken care by the grandfather by the grandmother 
so uh, in any case these are very poor people mm-hmm. very poor background they you know the father of this of bhuria ali he runs a chai shop in loni which is the up delhi border so very uh, yeah. tragic tragic stories Yeah, very tragic. Yeah. Ayush, tell me a bit about uh, more about the FIRs in these cases. You mentioned it in your story that a lot of details were missing, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like about the violence of the attack. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. It oh, the FIRs only say that uh, you know the bodies were uh, thrown into right. the drain to destroy evidence of murder, and they said the the people who were responsible, uh, they mm-hmm. said uh, unknown rioters. uh and then even even yeah. in de- in terms of building a timeline or you know putting out any good information it's if if you read firs yeah. in india they're so verbose you know you uh, this person the son of this uh-huh. and the resident of this place and this and that and though it's uh, yeah. it's it's, it's yeah. difficult to read and the hindi is very mm. you know jarring and when you mm. read like two pages of all that you realize at the end of it there is there is no important information so all, all in all these murders mm. you wouldn't find mention of uh, mm. who what was the you know who the people who killed them mm. were unknown rioters but where did they come from did the police talk to anyone who informed the mm. police that there was a body who took out the body is the police fight looking for bodies right. and that's one thing right. you know very uh, particular we took we noticed this that most of these bodies yeah. were taken yeah. out after the locals alarmed the police that mm. they were there which means that the police itself were not is not looking for these bodies okay understandable mm. because it's a riot you have to do a lot of things mm. but um, since march 2nd when the last body was found uh, reported to be found no one no other body has come out so mm. either there is no other body or that the police is not looking for it and we asked the police you know are you looking for the bodies and they said you know mcd is looking for the bodies so you go ask them it's a typical way of uh, obfuscating the whole question so that is noteworthy yeah. it's strange because uh, even um, the fact that uh, you know policemen whether up police or delhi police they were present when this mob was around and uh, even if they they were not a part of it i mean i'm sure they would have had an idea that people were getting thrown into the drain uh, right yeah so the fact that they don't want to look is is very suspicious it's like i don't know <laughs> it's very Definitely. strange yes yeah um so ayush uh, like last question about this report what was the whole ex- i mean i know it's a very bad question <laughs> sad question to ask but uh, what was it like looking at all those dead bodies rotting those pictures talking to the family members as a reporter i mean um you know the the stench of the because we were the drain was central to the story and yeah. wherever we were we were, we were near a drain so <laughs> i've come to associate that stench of the drain with you know almost like the stench of death yeah and yeah. we were even getting a little bit paranoid because we were walking by the drains basant and i and sometimes we would see you know these dogs trying to you know tear apart something and then we yeah. thought oh my god is that a body or is is what is that and it would turn out to be an animal or it would mm. turn out to be a stack of you know some garbage so uh, and people yeah. also in the area actually do that you know you stand by and they look into the drains yeah. and uh, looking yeah. at these bodies meeting these families and hearing these stories it was just um, uh, it, it it hurts your spirit mm. you know in some sort of a way 
and the only way for these two things to for even these families to find closure and to heal is that the police did, does the investigation so i really hope yeah. that happens because the way these people have been murdered it's not easy to forget that how uh, bru- bru- the br- yeah. extent of the brutality but the law enforcement authorities can make a lot of difference by just looking and finding and arresting and prosecuting people who caused this kind of violence but uh, seems very unlikely i mean considering uh, the role of the police how they were during the uh, during these incidents it seems very unlikely right yeah 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 and now there's a lockdown so i don't know how much of the evidence will yeah. just perish and what the investigation will go towards yeah exactly exactly the more time that passes the more is lost right when it comes to these investigations yeah and yeah unfortunately the narrative has also changed the news the discourse has also changed now so attention is going to be less on the riots so yeah right. i mean it it does make sense in a way because obviously i mean you can't ignore something like a pandemic no, obviously yeah uh, mm. it's completely taken over the news cycle and all that but uh, yeah um are you sh- uh, sorry uh, there's one more question i have uh, it's uh, it's the guy who fished out uh, the dead body arun his name was right can you tell me a little more about him yeah he was just like the policeman it occurred, we went to his house for house for the fourth time and then we could find mm. him he was apparently not too happy with the media attention and he was even paranoid that you know talking to the media might get him into trouble for some reason so he was scared that uh, all the media attention might get him into trouble so he wasn't staying home is what he told us but we finally met him mm. and you know, young is a young man and uh, he told me that he jumped into the drain to recover the bodies because he was around he knew how to swim and the police you know also pushing him to you know beta kuja kuja to kuja and then he jumped and he took out pass mohammed's body out and he didn't know that that person's name or his identity till i met him and i told him. Oh. and when i was talking to him and he said mm. yeah he told me that uh, he actually felt doing it because he, the fact that he could take out the bodies and that they would reach the families and there would yeah. be the ritual uh, burial yeah. it would give the family some sort some of a closure. closure yeah so that's what he told me yeah. but yeah that so was around he is an official diver of the police no 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 he was just someone who lives nearby and was standing by the road yeah exactly so police didn't even have their uh, people around and instead they asked this guy to do their job anyway uh, listeners uh, as i mentioned earlier this story is a must read and because of the extra amount of time and resources that ayush and basant had to spend on reporting it uh, we have put it uh, behind the paywall uh, because as you know when advertisers pay advertisers are served but when the public pays the public is served so to get good reportage you need to pay for it so please subscribe to news laundry and do read this story and uh, now i am moving on to your report on the pandemic uh, so you've done uh, you've written two pieces right let's begin with the one where you've talked about how indian healthcare yeah. system is completely not completely but uh, mostly unprepared to deal with uh, covid-19 yeah exactly uh, 
so uh, the first case of uh, a coronavirus patient uh, in india was reported in the month of january okay uh, towards the end of january and mm-hmm. beginning of february and it was reported from mm-hmm. kerala so uh, the indication yeah. was already there that uh, the country needs to prepare itself you know ad- uh, adequately for in terms of mm-hmm. the medical uh, the public health infrastructure yeah. but despite uh, yeah. that sort of a signal uh, unfortunately we did not make adequate arrangements and now where yeah. uh, be- from the beginning of march when uh, the virus has you know struck us all of a sudden uh, this this underpreparedness yeah. has you know come out uh, you know has, has come out to the light and now uh, yeah. the consequences are being felt by the people because uh, as of monday yeah. night there are only 122 certified labs in the country to uh, conduct uh, the testing you know uh, for uh, suspect wow. coronavirus patients and out of those 122 yeah. labs uh, 116 are uh, government labs and the rest of the six are in the private sector but even among uh, right. the government labs only 89 are functional as of now so the rest of the 27 are still under wow. you know the process of getting ready and functional so it clearly shows yeah. that we are not prepared uh, for a possible disaster and disaster is going to mm-hmm. strike us more yeah, yeah definitely it's already struck if you if you look at yeah. it has already struck i mean now i think mm-hmm. the, the number of confirmed cases uh, stand at somewhere around 560 I mean that's the last figure. Five sixty-two, yeah. But again, many, yeah. yeah. But again, many experts are saying that uh, you know, in a country of India's proportion, you know, having one point three billion people, I think this number, five hundred sixty-two, is is very clearly underreported because, and that is precisely uh-huh. because testing, adequate testing, has not happened in the country. So there can that's be right. so many cases which have not been confirmed by medical experts, but people are still roaming around, you know, carrying the virus in their bodies. So. uh and if you look at if you look at you know the rate of spread uh, over the last 2 3 days mm. it's actually spreading faster yeah. each passing day newer regions yeah. have been reporting the virus yeah. because i remember yeah. uh, i think in sunday and monday the spike was 81 cases uh, within 24 hours the next day it was 101 yeah. within the same amount of time so yeah so now i mean of course the government has still maintained that we are yet to enter the risky you know phase 3 of the coronavirus that is mm-hmm. community transmission but i am right. of the opinion that we have actually entered we have already entered the phase and if that happens yeah. so uh, this this amount of medical uh, equipment and uh, certified labs is not going to be enough to say the least and yeah. we are staring at a huge medical disaster in the coming days right uh, even uh, even prime minister in his address last evening uh, looked yeah. very grim i mean he looked very worried and uh, he 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 himself mentioned that you know countries like italy and us they've got top class healthcare system and even they are not being able to cope with it <laughs> so it yes, it is sort true, of an true. admission right that he knows basically yeah, he yeah. knows that we're not I mean, yeah, and and i think uh, you know uh, neither the prime minister nor any chief minister nor any top politician minister will admit in public that uh, the situation is actually you know much grimmer than what people are seeing because that will send a very yeah. you know panicky message across the country and that right. we cannot afford at this time but these people mm-hmm. the people involved in this entire process they have actually sensed that the situation is far worse than what is being conveyed to the people so that is why you know the kind of lockdown instructions and all the arrangements that we are seeing that is why all these pe- things are taking place 
and uh, right. what 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 is what is more worrying for a country like us is the fact that i mean people so first of all of course people believe in lots of nonsense that you know peddle on social media platforms and then huh. yet millions of people are still taking this thing very lightly you know they are, they haven't understood the seriousness of this thing because as you have mentioned i mean you know countries uh, countries which are known for their you know good public health infrastructure uh, the countries in mm. the west they have faced such a hit because of this virus if these countries can suffer yeah. then the situation will be far worse in a country like us or in any other country in south asia so the people need to take it yeah. far more seriously and should uh, you know obey uh, the lockdown instructions as religiously as possible uh, if you looked at how people behaved last sunday during the janta curfew it was ridiculous i mean and it was shameful appropriate for that yeah, shameful. shameful and criminal i would say because yeah, they did exactly what they were asked not to do they came out to the streets burst firecrackers played dholes and started dancing and singing and what not so the entire appeal of the prime minister was you know turned into a tamasha so that's really ridiculous exactly yeah i wanted to ask both of you in fact uh, about uh, you know it's it's a very thin line when it comes to reporting these issues right a lot of uh, a lot of media houses uh, they want to focus they just want to focus on positive stories you know to uh, i don't know to make the public hopeful or i don't know avoid them from panicking or whatever but do you think that's a good idea not telling people the reality of the situation uh yeah so my opinion is that uh, i mean of course the, these kinds of reports which actually bring out the truth these reports obviously stand a chance of uh, you know uh, alerting the people and sending a panic button among them but at the same time these are the reports which also pressurize the government to you know take up initiatives and uh, be proactive in terms of dealing a crisis like this so i think because of the second yeah. factor reports media has to play a very proactive role and has to keep nudging the exactly. government to you know adequate itself with better facilities better infrastructure and you know better policy decisions because if that doesn't happen right. then, uh, the situation will you know simply just you know spiral out of our hands so the media has to play mm. that uh, you know critical role despite uh, the risk of you know creating panic or whatever uh, yeah i mean in a in a country like india i mean i think it's even more important for the media to be proactive because uh, you know so many things can go uh, unreported or uh you know especially when it comes to the government which is i'm not it's not like they're not doing anything they are i'm sure they're trying their best but a lot of things yeah, they might miss right because there's so much to pay attention to so it's so important yeah. what do you think ayush yeah i definitely agree that you know you have to sort of maintain alarm as a journalist because trying to do positive yeah. stories is almost you know almost like standing at the cliff of a canyon and looking at a river raging into a bloody ravine and saying oh that's a nice fish you know that that doesn't work you're on the cliff so and nice i did a piece metaphor i did a piece today in uh, you know arguing that a century ago when the spanish flu had hit america 675 100000 americans had died that's i mean you know that 6 lakh people 
and that's more yeah. combined than american casualties in first world war and iraq and afghanistan and you know even the second world war right. so so uh, so many people had died 28% of america had been affected and one of the a good historian who's written a book on the spanish flu has argued that a lot of this or blame for this goes to the media at the time which because the war mm. was on in an effort to mm. you know maintain the morale of the armed forces of the people to be nice for the war patriotic yes yeah. so just to say yeah. that everything is fine you know it 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 uh, it mm. completely missed out it did not convey the fact how dangerous uh the whole uh, the pandemic was in that time and i have given an example of this one celebration rally in in philadelphia in uh, september 1918 yeah. where doctors yeah. and public health officials told the district's uh, public health chief that you know you have to call off the mm-hmm. celebration that this thing is contagious and he did not do that saying everything is fine and within a week i think uh, 45000 people were affected and within 6 weeks 12000 died so you have yeah. to be alar- alarmed in the way you convey your information because you don't know the positive here is what i mean a good some things like a policeman who helped a patient get to the hospital yes but would that um, patient survive in the hospital would that hospital have enough equipment exactly that should be the story exactly. so uh, yeah. i'm suspicious of this positive angle but yes i agree with ayan that there should be a good amount of uh, alarm Exactly. And also to put it in a perspective, um, uh, Snigda, uh, I mean, uh, now that yeah. we have entered the crisis, uh, people can see that uh, you know uh, professionals involved in uh, public health services, uh, doctors or other health yeah. workers, they have been constantly demanding for personal protective equipment, which includes. Uh, yeah, in so fact, one of been, our uh, listeners, uh, who is a doctor, he wrote to us. Uh, he wrote to us recently, just yesterday. actually talking about uh, the lack of masks and other gowns and other stuff that they need at the hospitals yes so public health yeah, so, professionals uh, mm-hmm. from all all over the country they have been clamoring for these things over the last uh, few days because there is yeah. a, you know a starting shortage of these personal protective equipment and without these uh, these mm-hmm. healthcare professionals they are actually you know setting into a trap because while treating they simply might uh, contract the virus and end up dying and that's what exactly, exactly. happened in pakistan and that has Every happened yeah. yeah yeah that's what i'm saying yeah. so so and so if these these shortages if these kinds of things are not brought out by the media then the government will not come under any kind of pressure to tackle the issue So, for example, yeah. over the last few days, there have been such reports in you know in in the media. So, a scroll did a good investigation. Then, Indian Express also uh, pulled out some nice mm. uh, statistics, which actually talked about you know the alarming figure of our hospital beds and uh, the availability of doctors in the country. So, these right. things have to be uh, extracted and put in the public domain so that the government uh, is pressurized to act and act sooner than later. Right. Right, uh, Ayan, you also did a piece on uh, the lockdown and uh, the migrant workers all over the country. In fact, not just in Delhi, who are uh, yeah. you know struggling to go home. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? And also, uh, can you start with the attack on journalists during the lockdown? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, well, uh, though the prime minister declared the uh, the countrywide lockdown last night, but most states had already entered into a lockdown a day or two earlier. 
so yes uh, on monday what happened was that uh, I, there were at least three four incidents in my knowledge where journalists uh, were attacked huh. or at, uh, you know stopped by the police while they were uh, commuting between workplace and home now right. uh, uh, the lockdown instructions exempt people involved in essential services and by essential services they mm-hmm. mean doctors and other Media. public health professionals mm-hmm. the police the fire uh, mm-hmm. safety people and also the media because the media mm. is very vital mm. in a crisis like this so mm. but despite despite that specific exemption uh, journalists were stopped heckled and beaten up on monday and i can tell mm-hmm. you about incidents from delhi and hyderabad so in one mm. incident in delhi what happened was that a journalist uh, from the aajtak news channel uh, by the name of mm. Sabin kumar uh, he mm. was stopped uh, near the aims trauma center in delhi this happened at around 1:30 pm on monday and he was actually mm. going from vasan kunj to his office uh, in the noida film city so he was stopped by the mm. police and then uh, he was asked to show his press card his identity card because the police did not know that he was a pressman so he showed his uh, identity card and he identified himself as a journalist going to work but despite that uh, the policeman on duty he just took his i card then pulled out his car key and just moved ahead and then this guy uh, mm. went after the policeman requested for his belongings but then uh, the policeman you know started abusing him with filthy language and then the policeman oh. was joined by some of his colleagues as well so they then later mm. they push uh, took him inside the police van and then during the course of the argument they they, they just you know ended up beating him up and one of the policemen on duty right. he actually said that yaar ye to aise nahi manega isko thoda maar ke dikhao maro harami ko this this is the language uh, the policeman used so this guy was beaten mm. up and then he could escape the spot only because several cars had already lined up in the area and they could you know have been possible witnesses to the violence so the policeman just let him right. go and uh, navin of course uh, that same evening he put out a detailed statement on twitter where he described mm. whatever happened to him So this is one incident mm. from Delhi. On the same day, uh, uh, there were uh, two incidents uh, from Hyderabad. Uh, so on Monday night, yeah. uh, the bureau chief of the Hindu newspaper in Hyderabad uh, by the name of Ravi Reddy. Mm. So Ravi Reddy was uh, yeah. he was returning from work. He was going home, uh, and he was also stopped by a policeman. Uh, around two dozen policemen mm. uh, near the Begum Pet flyover in Hyderabad. Now uh, that that is a very uh, you know busy. passage in the city mm-hmm. and this guy was stopped and he was also asked by the police to just you know go back he was not being allowed to go forward because he was going to his uh, house in sikandrabad but the police did not allow mm. him to go then he again uh, you know right. went out uh, talked to a senior policeman on duty and told him that he was a journalist he was you know returning from work and uh, in by the government instructions only he was allowed to move around even in terms of uh, a curfew but the policeman did not right. listen to him and similar similarly you know what happened to navin this guy was also abused in a very very uh, mm-hmm. way and then he was also right. and then he uh, some policeman so, just held him by the neck and threw him inside the car so then oh he God. was also obviously shocked and then he called up one of his mm. senior colleagues who in turn informed the dgp of telangana and then only the situation came under control and this right. guy so uh, that yeah so there was another I, incident in hyderabad mm-hmm. around the same time 
So this Ravi Reddy only told yeah. me that uh, some bureau chief of uh, this popular Andhra uh, Telugu newspaper called Andhra Jyothi. So that bureau chief of mm-hmm. Andhra Jyothi, along with two reporters from the regional media, they were also you know stopped and attacked by the policemen. Uh, because they were also trying to right so uh, multiple cases of journalists uh, being attacked while reporting during the lockdown uh, right yes. in spite of the prime minister himself mentioning the importance of media's role in such a scenario True. um uh, True. Do, are you guys uh, my last question are you guys concerned because you guys are will i'm sure you will be out to report see i mean in in my article also i made this point that in extraordinary situations like these uh people mm-hmm. who are empowered to enforce these lockdowns and curfews they actually assume greater powers than in normal times and that is why it's very mm-hmm. really risky they can actually do anything they want just in the name of you know uh, ensuring law and order and government instructions and there have been examples of uh, police personnel uh, you know finding thousands of people on the streets of europe and uh, you know getting into clashes with people so these instances have have actually come out in the last uh, couple of weeks now obviously there is a lockdown everybody understands uh, the significance of this lockdown but people at times might mm. have to step out for you know meeting their essential needs and if journalists mm. who are exempted by government orders only if journalists could be attacked or doctors could be attacked mm. and just uh, imagine the situation mm. uh, for the common people so it's it's really risky yeah. ayush that right right ayush yeah, uh, do you have anything um, to add yeah I, look uh, i think the police uh, i've had experiences with the up police and the delhi police both of mm. them are uh, highly unpleasant institutions i mean solitary <laughs> person couldn't be here yeah. but he would have told you how the That's delhi police true, yeah. treated him yeah. so uh, I, I even in normal yeah so media is not treated well even in normal times this is a time mm-hmm. when everyone's mm-hmm. panicking and the way ayan told the stories of these uh, you know journalists who are assaulted yeah now i'm quite worried but then yeah. uh, this is also again your part of your profession you know this is the way you have yeah. to uh, deal negotiate yeah. with a angry mob or a you know ang- angry subject yeah. you have to talk to an angry policeman yeah. so unless yeah. and until we are really assaulted this is something that <laughs> it's a good skill to pick up right uh, all right guys so let's move to recommendations okay who will start ayan why don't you Yes. you can uh, you can uh, recommend multiple things because everybody is at home all our listeners everybody is looking for stuff to watch to listen to to read so please go for it be generous uh so i am uh, recommending this a piece by yuval noah harari uh, yuval noah harari as yeah. you know that is a very renowned historian yes. from israel so mm-hmm. harari wrote this piece in in the financial times and hmm. it's titled as uh, the world after corona virus uh, yeah. so in, in the article he tries to make the argument that uh, the world as we see now will completely change once this uh, the pandemic is over and many of the measures mm-hmm. many of the uh, strategies being the governments across the world might just become you know normal you know might just become the norm of the day a permanent thing like surveillance over. yeah and that will eventually change yeah. uh, our social political and cultural lives so that is the larger argument of this piece now of course you will read it and try to uh, understand it in a much better way and also to inform you uh, uh, generally financial times articles are behind the paywall but many other publications they have also 
lifted uh, pieces related to the coronavirus, you know, uh, lifted the people about for all the pieces related to the coronavirus pandemic. So you can just read it for right. And anything else that you want to suggest? Uh, and yeah, also uh, the report by Ayush and Basant, which is up on our website. Mm. So because that I think that that's a very very painstaking effort, but. That was yes. uh, a very really nice report, so everybody should read it. Yes. All right, Ayush. Oh yeah, I want to recommend this book called uh, "The Great Influenza: The Epic Story of the Deadliest Plague in History," which is uh, on mm-hmm. the Spanish flu during the First World War, and uh, mm-hmm. it's written by John M. Barry, and people can find download an EPUB and a PDF on Library Genesis online. and it's a very yeah. good book because only because it's comprehensive but it gives you a scientific medical political angle to this one plague and of course also yeah. does justice to the fact that there was a war going on and you know brings out that very well it's a very rich book yeah. and i mean journalists uh, who any journalist who listens to this podcast might benefit from it because then you understand when you look back at uh, how people today ask questions about you know uh, a pandemic that was uh, a century mm-hmm. before then it gives you a perspective you can do the same in the present uh, in your own way so it's eye opening in that way and uh, yeah people should read that all right so i have multiple recommendations first is uh, this ayush's piece itself about the spanish flu it's titled spanish flu how information policing and nationalist propaganda worsened the pandemic a century ago and uh, it's a must read piece about how journalists now can learn from it so that is one piece and uh, the second is a movie on netflix it's a japanese film directed by uh, manbiki kazoku and um, if you liked uh, if you liked parasite then you're going to love this movie it's uh, it's about this uh, it's a bunch of people who who don't really have proper jobs somebody works in the laundromat somebody you know two of them are just shoplifters including a child and they just pretend to be a family and how they get by and it's 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 brilliant i mean if parasite was great then this is i don't know another level so you guys should watch it and uh, my second recommendation is daily dose uh news laundry's daily news podcast uh since uh, now so guys we've made daily dose much longer and more detailed so the first half of the podcast is just about coronavirus we are giving you updates from each state and uh, all the information from india and from the world apart from other news stories so do tune in every day and uh, my yeah i think that that's about it <laughs> you guys read and watch all of this and then we'll come back to you next week with some more recommendations and listeners if you liked what you heard please rate our podcast on itunes or whatever platform you tuned into we also do a bunch of other podcasts like hafta and awful and awesome better the rating more the reach and that means more subscribers and that in turn means better content and listeners if you like this podcast then please do spread the word tell your friend family make them listen to reporters without orders from news laundry and please yes as tikda says pay to keep news free support independent media <laughs> yes 
also listeners we're planning to start a new podcast on coronavirus and listeners uh, if any of you are interested in contributing to this podcast that we want to do on coronavirus please write to me at snigdhatnewslaundry.com if you work in the field of microbiology or virology or communicable diseases please uh, pitch in it'll be great and also please write to us at contact@newslaundry.com at with reporters without orders in the subject line if you have any suggestions any criticisms you can also leave your comments on twitter or instagram or facebook and uh, with that this podcast is adjourned all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.